What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Kevin Earl Taylor. We've known each other for four or five years via the San Francisco art scene. He's always been a big supporter of my work, and I, I try to do the same. His uh, his paintings are surreal and strange and mystical and, and super rad. We sit down and talk via Skype. We discuss Southerners, boiled peanuts, food industry, San Francisco, Charleston, Savannah School of Design, Art, Andy Warhol, Wheat Pasting, Tahoe, Playboy, T.C. Boyle, Facebook Censorship, Violence vs. Sex, Guitar, Cool Uncles, Process, Man vs. Nature, Toyota Ad, Appropriation, Anthropomorphism, Alter Egos, Expectations, Flip Flops, and Berlin. Real quick, before we get to the interview, um, I want to get a little business stuff out of the way. Of course, I want to thank again my sponsors for this show, The Pearl Hotel. You could check out their website at thepearlsd.com. It's an awesome hotel, restaurant, and bar. Make sure you go check out all their stuff and let them know that uh, Live Free Podcast sent you. If you go on the blog, there's a coupon for uh, buy one, get one free dinner. Uh, make sure you print that out and go check them out. Have a wonderful dinner, courtesy of the podcast and the Pearl Hotel. Also, a big thanks to DSD Clothing. Uh, make sure you go check out their new line, which will, they'll be dropping the spring line coming out within the next couple months here, maybe a couple weeks even. Uh, their website is dsdshop.com. Go on there, check out the stuff that's that's from their last season. I know they are just about sold out of everything, so there's not really a whole bunch to buy right now, but keep your ear out because uh, shit is ready to blow up. So check those guys out, dsd.com, and honkykong.com is the artist who is responsible for all the designs. So check him out. A big thanks again to everybody who has donated to the podcast. Your your donations are humongous help and, and are greatly appreciated. I'm still waiting to get the Live Free t-shirts printed. Um, I'm doing my best to get that, that cranked out. Uh, work is starting to back up and, and things are getting busy. But uh, that's obviously no excuse, so those things are going to get done um, ASAP. Uh, again, thank you to everybody who's donated. If you have not and feel like doing so, there's a link on the blog. Just go to MikeMaxwellArt.com and click on the blog link. In each blog, you'll see a link to PayPal where you can make a small donation or a large donation, whichever um, suits your fancy. And all is appreciated. And if you can't, you know, that's fine too. Uh, the show is always free for you to download from iTunes. Make sure you go over there and subscribe and rate the show, and you can leave a review if you so wish. So, with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Kevin Earl Taylor. What are you tattooing over there? Hello. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. How's it going? Are you tattooing? Uh, well, I've been I've been engraving some stuff on metal. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, you heard it. You heard my uh, engraver right here. Same. That's what they used to use for tattoo machines, right? Back in the day. Can you hear me still? Yeah, not when you're engraving, but I can hear you. Can you yeah, hear me? Yeah. I turned it off. Can you see me there? Or I can't see you yet. You got to click the video button. Okay. There he is. Yeah, man. It's just 
learning by my mistakes. I always learn from my stupid. It's uh, it's yeah, something yeah. I've I've figured out along the way, <laughs> somehow. Well, um, let's get into this thing. Thanks for doing the show. I appreciate it. No problem. You uh, you sound exactly like uh, Brett Amory. All you Southerners have the same exact tone to your voice. It's funny. Hey man, welcome. Welcome it, to the podcast, man. It's not even that like that like stereotypical. It's going into the my voice is like going <laughs> into the computer and like you're hearing it somehow. That's that's fucking weird, man. It's crazy, right? No, it's not even like that like uh, stereotypical like hillbilly sound like or like that you know that like initial thought of the Southern twang. But it's yeah, almost yeah. like there's a, um, there's almost like a nasal tone to it, which I actually have too, just because of my skull yeah, yeah. structure. Right, right. Now but, most uh, most people don't really know. Sometimes I'll tell people I'm from South Carolina, and then that's when they are like, "Oh yeah, I can totally hear your accent now." But then every now and then, you know, I'll just say one word that's just like buzzword, you know, and they're just like, "What did you just say?" It's funny yeah. how many of you end up in the Bay Area. Yeah, man, that's a good bit. I mean, I have a whole kind of contingent of, of Southerners that I occasionally, you know, get together with. And, you know, we, we've had a couple like Southern food, like brunches and stuff, you know, where I know a couple of grandma's recipes and I'll bust those out, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you keep those, uh, those Southern roots via the food. Yeah, and you know, me and my roommate, Ben, um, Ben Venom, who's also an artist, he, uh, he and I kind of have a little side project that we boil peanuts, you know, which is a huge Southern phenomenon. I mean, there's so many people that sell them all over the place, but you can't get them in San Francisco, really. So we just started making our own. <laughs> Do you feel like you're you're sharing a part of the culture or just sharing good food? No, it's, it's definitely a, um, it's more of a conceptual art project, really. It's, uh, I mean, we, we wrote a whole kind of manifesto and we even have like a, a Facebook page is um, called D's Nuts, T-E-E apostrophe S, <laughs> Nuts. And, um, you know, I wrote a whole thing about how we're, we really are like in a position to, you know, kind of modify food culture on the West Coast because people, first of all, when we, when we show people these bullet peanuts, at first they're a little confused, but it doesn't take long to win them over. And I mean, not, maybe like, one person out of 10 might be like, Ooh, I don't know. Like not for me, but most people are like, Oh my God, these are fucking amazing. You know? And we've, we've just kind of grown a little community even in San Francisco. And it's like, you know, if we kept doing this, like just a little bit every now and then, I mean, you know, 10 years from now, people might be, you might see it on the street or something, you know, which is kind of, kind of fun, you know? You're in the perfect city for that too, because from an outsider's perspective, there's a, there there looks to be a huge um, support for local owned food business. Which... Yeah, street food's huge. I mean, you know, all of California seems like that, like L.A. and probably San Diego, right? Yeah, yeah, we have our our little neighborhoods that are definitely like that, and that's actually one of the big things in San Diego too, um, where local businesses actually thrive is like the the food industry. You know, yeah, but yeah, at the yeah. same time, we also have all like the the mass produced McDonald's fast food <laughs> junks. Where in San yeah. Francisco, you don't catch that as much. There's not because uh, there's not as many um, strip malls. Yeah, yeah, know? totally. Yeah, yeah, I remember when I first moved here, and I there was this one brand of paint that I really liked, and um, 
It's called like folk art paint. It's actually called folk art paint. Yeah, and you can find it at art stores, I think, but Walmart always had this amazing selection of colors where I'm from in South Carolina. And I was like, shit, man, where's Walmart at? And I remember looking on the internet and realizing the nearest Walmart was like, I don't know, it was like 40 miles away or something. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy, but kind of cool, you know? Yeah, I think it's rad. And it, it's weird when you're when you're used to seeing uh, a Starbucks and a, and a McDonald's and a 7-Eleven on every corner, you know, like yeah. in San Diego and LA and shit. And I'm yeah, sure exactly. elsewhere too. But I guess yeah. you guys do have, you guys have all the liquor stores on every corner. Yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got our share of, uh, you know, it's not a perfect city for sure. <laughs> but the thing is, is those things are all, you know, privately owned, which is interesting, which we don't see in, in the corporate, the corporatization yeah. of communities. There's a lot of like mom and pop kind of, you know, I mean, I have friends who own a couple stores, you know, it's, it's pretty neat. You know, you do feel kind of like your, your people are kind of like, you know, working the community a little bit, yeah. which is pretty neat. And that's what's so cool about you being able to do your food thing in that city. But let's start, like, from where you came from. Where where did those ideas come from? You you grew up in, in South Carolina, right? Yeah, Charleston, South Carolina. It's it's right on the coast. It's, uh, you know, I always say that it's kind of like San Francisco. I mean, it's a peninsula. So geographically, it's similar. Um, you know, it's a thing of land surrounded by... A, a harbor and a a bay, you know, basically, and um, there's a big bridge connecting where I used to live. It was just called Mount Pleasant. It was like a little little small suburban community. It's really like one of the fastest growing communities in the country for a while because it was just expanding so rapidly. And um, that's where I grew up, like as a teenager. And then, you know, I lived downtown Charleston a couple times too, but. It's just a city that really thrives off of tourism. So you're getting a lot of um, amazing food there. I mean, there's so many great restaurants. Um, and I've seen uh, Charleston compared to San Francisco before and actually in the San Francisco paper, um, this food writer did a whole thing about how Charleston was like, you know, the San Francisco, the East Coast. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, that's <laughs> what I've always thought. But um, it's a pretty progressive city for the South. I, I really wouldn't live anywhere else in the south other than charleston honestly i mean i like savannah too and i have i still have friends there so that's where i went to school but uh between charleston and savannah and new york i mean i can't really think of anywhere on the east coast that i would i'd prefer to live over san francisco you know so yeah. real quick is that your music or is that outside it's probably mine let me go cut it down real quick it was kind of nice better? but it would sound it probably will sound weird in the in the edit yeah is it better now yeah, I can't hear it now. Okay. Just, I was picking up a, like just the beat. It sounded like somebody was playing bass outside. Well, Method Man. Nice. <laughs> he's uh, he's going to be playing San Diego. Him and Red Man are playing San Diego. Oh, really? I think nice. next month. I had a, a promoter on the show uh, a couple shows ago, and he's doing a bunch of uh, hip-hop and, and music stuff in San Diego and promoting his ass off. He just cool. got Method Man and Red Man to come down. Nice. Yeah. So you grew up in Charleston and then went to, to Atlanta or to Savannah for, yeah. for art school? Yeah, I went to Savannah, College of Art and Design. You know, had a great had a great time there just mostly because I met a lot of cool people and knew that I wanted to make art, knew that I liked art, but I didn't really I don't I don't think I quite got it how how it was, you know, you could actually turn this into a life, you know? Mm -hmm. 
my I, I was a, my roommate Jason Philpo. Do you know him? Uh, yeah. Some, well, from work. Obey Giant. His, yeah, yeah. He, his emails used to come in, but I don't know him personally. Yeah. So he was like my best friend growing up. You know, we used to skateboard together, and he was my roommate. I don't know, just living with him, like he was a real cerebral dude, you know, and he was really into art history. And I mean, he knew all these artists that were really kind of inspiring. And, you know, he kind of passed that on to me. I just remember one day being, you know, like, man, I wish I could do some of the things with with music that, you know, some of the visual artists did with art, you know, and he was like, well, dude, have you heard about John Cage? And I was like, no, you know, and and I started like just really exploring, you know, what could be done with art and music as well. You know, learning about people that came before me. And at the same time, I was taking a 20th century art history class, which was amazing. This guy, Stephen Myers, was the professor and, and he made us look at like 200 slides a day. And we only had two grades, one at the midterm and one at the final. So it was just an insane amount of material to process within, you know, a one semester period. And I just was like, this is, a, this is awesome. You know, finally understood like what Andy Warhol was doing and why it was cool, you know, and yeah. um, just learned about minimalism and, you know, why that was valid. And, and, uh, and, and then like the trifecta was, I was also taking an introduction to oil painting class. So it was like all these things kind of converged and, that's when I was, you know, just sort of realized that, wow, this, this can actually be my life. You know, I can, I can make a life out of, um, you know, exploring this sort of process of creating stuff, you know? And so that's, that's like my, what I took away from art school. You know, I didn't, didn't really learn a lot of, um, how to paint or anything. You know, I just, I just kind of had this, these tools and sort of, I graduated right after that. So it was like, ah, Okay, I guess I'll paint now. And and what year was that? What year did you graduate? Uh, ninety five. Ninety five. Yeah. So like right as the internet is getting ready to start mm-hmm. booming. Yeah, there was definitely no uh, you know, internet, and you know, I I remember taking like one computer class, you know, and it was, which <laughs> it was probably key for you to be in those environments, right? Since we weren't, yeah. I mean, for kids now, you can get such a wide variety of different art influences all throughout the world. Yeah, I can't imagine it, man. I mean, it's, I guess that's why art is so, um, I mean, it's just so ubiquitous, you know, it's just like, it seems like everyone's an artist these days, you know, yeah, yeah. which but that's been said cool, forever, right? Or, we we all know what what that is, what the pros and cons of that are. Yeah. yeah. Did you know? Um, did you know Adam Hawthorne? Uh, sounds familiar, but I, I don't think I knew him. Was that was he with Scad, Savannah? Yeah, he went yeah. to Savannah. I'm you know what? I'm hearing myself now. It's not it's not doing it now. Okay. And I forgot to turn my phone off like a professional. <laughs> I turned I turned that the landline off because that one's the worst ring. Oh, landline, damn. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I live at the top of this mountain, and my cell phone only gets texts for some reason. Phone calls mm-hmm. don't work, but the signal for text come in just clear as, as shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Adam Hawthorne went to Savannah School of Design. Uh, he went to, uh, unless there's another art school in Savannah, but it, that's probably like the main one, right? Uh, well, the yeah, that's just the only one there. I mean... 
Yeah, I think it was around the same time. He was um, my fifth. He's on the the fifth episode. No, okay. he's tattooed me a bunch. He's a artist. Yeah, I definitely tattooed. know his name, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know him. You know, as yeah. a friend. Um, so when you leave Savannah, is that when you go to San Francisco? Um, I went to I left. I graduated, and then I moved back to Charleston. My mom got married, remarried. She moved out of the house that I grew up in. When she moved out of the house that I grew up in, she was like, hey, you know, do you want to come and live in this house? I think, you know, the mortgage payment was like 550 bucks a month, you know, which even back then was like pretty amazing. I mean, we had a huge backyard. And so I moved back home, invited like two or three friends to live with me. It was like a three bedroom house, you know, and I just had a real fun time. You know, we set up like drums in the living room and, you know, it was classic like bachelor pad kind of situation you know we had one friend who even lived in the attic you know <laughs> it was like it was a, a real fun creative time you know we recorded a lot of music on like a boom box you know and just uh you know had had a lot of fun but after let's see like a year or two of that i decided i wanted to go back to savannah oh this guy said um i i had worked in record stores you know and um he was like, hey, I'm going to open up a record store. Do you want to come back to Savannah and manage it? And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. You know, so I moved back to Savannah, managed a little record store for like two years, then went back to Charleston again and, you know, hung out there for another year or so. And then just realized, man, I got to do something else. And uh, that's when I tried to move out to San Francisco for the first time, which was like 97. And that was right during the dot-com explosion you know and right coming from south carolina we were just we had no idea what the dot-com even was you know it was just like let's go to san francisco all right you know and we get out here and there's just it was me and two friends we had two cars two dogs oh shit you know no jobs but plenty of, we had money but it was just like we got here and we were just like yeah do you have an apartment for three people and two dogs and two places to park two cars and you know, there's people all over the street looking for apartments. It was just like, okay, this is probably isn't going to happen. Yeah. So we went down. We ended up in San Diego, actually, in Ocean Beach for like six months. Nice. And, um, you know, that was fun. But, I mean, that was a time when I was really trying to, like, make something happen with my life, you know. And, I mean, it was a – it was a, my roommates were surfers, so they were all about it. You know, they were like every morning it was like the sound in the house would be like, did you check it today? Uh gonna go down and check it a minute you know <laughs> yeah it was like every day you know and then uh that's basically all you know all i could do is eat amazing mexican food and you know go look at the ocean and play my guitar a little bit which it's, isn't that different from uh ocean beach in san francisco as well <laughs> yeah totally but you know after like six months i just you know it just wasn't really happening the way i was kind of envisioning you know and um moved back to charleston very like very proud to be from Charleston, you know, just like, all right, I'm going to make something happen in South Carolina, in my hometown, in this city. You know, there was no galleries really at that time that would have shown the kind of work like I was making, you know, and so I just started putting stuff up on the street, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to, you know, put, there's a piece of plywood over there. I'm just going to make these paintings on like newsprint and then go wheat paste them up, you know, and, um, I started doing that a lot, and um, I would even make little maps, you know, like 
put drawn X where you could, you know, it was like free public art exhibit, go see here, this piece, this piece, this piece. And then eventually this gallery place was, you know, contacting me. He was like, Hey, we're opening up a little gallery. Are you the guy putting up these wheat pays? And I was like, <laughs> well, maybe, you know, yeah. um, but that led to me showing more and more in Charleston. And I mean, I basically like did it to death there. You know, I, I almost 10 years straight. And I got to the point where I was really making a living with my art. I was teaching art. I was teaching kids at the art museum one day a week. And, you know, I had it all carved out. You know, I, I could have stayed there and just been like, you know, big fish in a small pond kind of thing. And it just, just wasn't, you know, I, I just felt like I really wanted to challenge myself. And um, that's when I came out to, for a show I had in Monterey stayed in San Francisco. It was like a week in San Francisco. I just was like, it just kind of hit me. I was like, man, I, I think this is where I need to be. And uh, so I basically went back home and just started slowly but surely packing my stuff up and having garage sales, you know, <laughs> selling crap on e you know, eBay, whatever. And I just minimized my possessions as much as I could bear to. And then um, came out here is pretty much I think the best decision I ever made, you know. Yeah. How was uh, Tahoe? You just got back from Tahoe, right? Some good ass snow. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's the first time I've been to Tahoe, actually, which was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it was super, you know, just powdery, I guess. And uh, you know, I got I got to just do some bombing the hills. It's been like five years since I've been snowboarding too, so I was a little. Well, I'll tell you what. My last snowboarding trip was at Tahoe. And I wrecked my ass so hard, dude, that I was like, <laughs> I'm never going to do this ever again. Really? I'm too oh old. God, and dude. it wasn't even like I, it was such a, like, just like the board slipped out from underneath me. And I just oh, landed man. so perfectly straight on the only piece of ice on the whole mountain on oh, like a dude. warm day, like perfect day, kind of slushy out. Just one little piece of ice that was sitting in the shade of the tree. <laughs> And I just well, landed so perfect that even now, like, if I just squeeze my butt cheeks together a certain way, I still can feel that, like, wow. tailbone pain. It's like that's nerve sad, damage man. nonsense. And when I yeah, did, I was like, fall. if you, I fall again, like... I'm going to cry. <laughs> Shit, dude. But that's yeah, we got, we got a bunch of snow in the mountains here in San Diego. It looks like Tahoe oh, yeah. from from the uh, from the bottom of the mountain down there. But yeah, Tahoe's a rad town. My sister lived up there for a while. Uh, cool. Yeah, I definitely want to go back, you know, sooner than later. Yeah, and you're pretty close. That's a nice drive uh, from San Francisco back up through Sacramento and up through the hills back there. Yeah, man. Yeah, that shit is yeah. nice. I saw you had some uh, some Facebook censorship recently. You did uh, <laughs> yeah. you did an illustration for Playboy, right? Yeah, it's probably coming out very soon. It's in the March issue. Um, it's uh, this writer... T.C. Boyle, who's actually a, a really great writer, I was pretty honored to, um, you know, that they chose me for his story because, I mean, much better than illustrating, you know, some erotic tale, you know, or whatever. But um, I was contacted by the art director, you know, that had apparently been following my work for a little bit and, uh, you know, just said, I think you'll be good for the story. And we kind of, you know, bounced some ideas back and forth and came up with an approach and, uh, you know, he was real happy with it, and uh, it's coming out in the March issue. As far as I know, I haven't seen it, you know, yeah. in my hand, but that's, that. I mean, you know, that's the plan as far as, as, far as I've been told. And, uh, 
yeah, it should be out on the newsstands real soon. But uh, what happened on Facebook was um, if you go to the Playboy website, you know, on the magazine section, it has a kind of coming next month. No pun intended. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I couldn't let that one slide. I'm sorry. It's a stupid joke. but I had <laughs> That's all right, man. You know, it's, it says, uh, you know, coming next month, it's got a picture of my illustration, like a detail from it, which is a, a pit bull's head. And then these two, you know, like blonde, buxom babes kind of flanking the <laughs> dog, you know. And uh, there's it's not nude or anything, but, you know, you can just a little, like, nip slip or whatever, one of the girl's shirt, and then um, the other girl's, you know, you can totally see her ass, like, completely right there. And I was just posting that on Facebook, like, hey, like, if you, if you need a reason to buy Playboy, you know, like, your girlfriend doesn't like Playboy, all you, you know, here you <laughs> go, man, like, you know, ah, my friend's in it, you know, yeah. like, I gotta get it. So, um, you know, it's kind of just being hum- humorous and also promoting a little bit, you right. know, sh- sharing with friends. Yeah, apparently Facebook didn't like the... Uh, nudity content i guess i, I don't know well you was... want to know something funny how i think that goes down typically somebody has to complain about it yeah so like someone on your friends list is like i don't like this report <laughs> and which is hilarious right yeah yeah. Uh, yeah so funny, but at yeah. the same time i i don't i can't imagine them having like a facebook police that just their job is to constantly go search out pornography and drugs. I always wondered about that, you know, like, if you, what if you updated your status, like, uh, you know, like, Kevin Taylor is about to kill a motherfucker, you know, like, I'm, you know, or whatever, like, I'm gonna commit suicide or something, you know, like... Yeah, no like problem. What, you know, what would... Or, like, if you posted some photo of yourself jerking off or something, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's gotta be people who do that, right? Well, you, know? you can look at it from another perspective, too, which is really interesting to, to see how... Uh, accepting we are of violence but we but we're so yeah. scared and ashamed of sex is that i posted up when when wikileaks dropped that um that video of the guys in the helicopter shooting up the the reporter and those kids in that van yeah yeah, they, yeah. that's straight and there's been a number of those type of videos that have come out that have been yeah. posted to facebook a number of times i've seen it and and it's no problem and it's like there's so much crazy shit on the internet you're gonna pretend like some titties or a ball sack is really that bad. You know what I mean? A ball yeah, sack might be pretty know. bad. I mean, but... Who knows what happened? You know, it was a post that did end up getting a lot of comments. A lot of people were saying, you know, congratulations and stuff like that, you know. So I'm sure it was getting viewed a lot on different pages. And I think once, like, a post like that starts to get more attention, it's, like, grows and grows and grows probably. But, yeah, it was it was pretty ridiculous. I mean, you can still see the photo on my blog, you know, like if you go to my blog, and I, I think I reposted the the warning that they gave me, yeah, and said, you know, like hey, like good thing I have a blog, you know, and I can exercise my freedom of speech still. So it was kind of funny. I mean, I don't know if Facebook saw that. I was kind of waiting to get another email from them, like you know, telling me I was banned or something. But you know, hold on one second. But uh, you know, Facebook they uh. They banned me from posting videos anymore. I'm not allowed to post videos on my like I can't <laughs> upload videos to my page no, because like you're banned because you violate like you like you're a naughty boy kind of thing. Yeah, too many violations <laughs> because wow. I would I make all kinds of time lapses and things of, of paintings um, and like murals and shit that I post up and then I yeah. put a, a music track to them. And uh, as long as the music tracks works on YouTube, I I would figure okay, it'll probably work on Facebook. But nah, none of that shit rides on Facebook. 
No music. Uh, if uh, if it picks up the track and knows what it is and knows it's a violation, it won't even play it. Damn. Yeah, so you got to do good. like... I when I was like, okay, well, I could just make some of my own little musical tracks or do something with GarageBand and make something that it won't notice, won't be able mm-hmm. to pick up as something recorded. But then is I tried to do it, and it was like, nah, no videos <laughs> for you, friend. So I had to do everything through YouTube and then post it, which is fine anyway, you know what I mean? I don't give a shit. They didn't make you, like, type, like, a uh, hundred lines of I will not post. Uh, I wish. I would do it just so I could get them up there. <laughs> Cocksuckers. You were already playing music before you, you were in art school, right? Yeah, I mean... Did you I, play guitar I, and, and you have a band, right? Or... Uh, I mostly just kind of play guitar a little bit. I mean, I wanted to start a band a little bit in high school, but never really got to it. You know, I'd written a song or two kind of thing. Um... But mostly, I you know I just picked up the guitar from my uncle. He 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 would like play a lot of uh, sort of bluegrass, country. But you know, there's like if you know John Prine, like that was a huge influence of his, and he would play a lot of songs that were written by these other guys, you know. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I want to learn to do that. And um, he and I were kind of the we were similar members of our family, you know, where. He was like the guy who never really got the job, you know, never really, you know, wore the wore the shirt. The creative know, type, right? Stuff. Yeah, and um so we we related a lot, you know. I mean my family's really cool. My mom's amazingly supportive and she she played guitar a little bit too, but she you know, she just kinda went on to not really pursue her her you know, like her art you know, stuff that she was doing. But my uncle, you know, the guy who would always draw a little bit, you know, like sneak me some like, you know, liquor moonshine <laughs> or something, you know. He was that guy. Yeah. So um he uh he got me playing guitar and I, I kinda just, you know, gravitated from there and you know, once you once you kinda learn how to play the guitar and you teach yourself, it's just, you just start making little things up and before too long, you know, they actually sound all right. <laughs> and uh yeah, like I tell a lot of my friends, they're like, man, you know how to play music and art? Like, where'd you find a time to do all that? I'm like, well, in South Carolina where I was at, I mean, there wasn't a lot else to do except, you know, hang out with yourself and, you know, go to the beach and create stuff unless you just want to, you know, like go to the bar every night and get loaded. I mean, which you could do that too. But, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know. Obviously, you chose uh, artwork as, as your main focus, right, um, after you're, you're done with school. For me as an artist, I tell people a lot that I make the same painting over and over again, sort of meaning that I have this um, this formula or this little like mathematic equation that I run through each time that I have a, a set number of processes that I go through and just make these things that look different each time. Um, yeah, yeah. do you have, what, what's your, do you have one of those type of, uh, processes that you go through for, for art pieces or what's Not your, really, what's your process yeah. like when you decide to start making something new? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, usually I'll kind of set out on a series and, um, it doesn't take me long after I've, you know, painted the fifth painting in that series that I'm already like, oh, I'm so over this, you know, like, like what's next, but you know, I'll finish it out. And it's something that's always there that I can go back to or, you know, touch on again. But, um, 
yeah, I feel like I'm always trying to just push myself into a another direction that is also similar. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to do total departures or at least, I mean, I, I, sometimes I do make paintings just for myself that, you know, cause my, 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 most of my work is very, you know, polished where I have to really like be careful, you know, not to smudge this or, you know, make sure this is completely right. And, um, sometimes I just have to be like, all right, I'm just going to make this drip and, you know, like, ah, oh, look at there, there's a frog's face, you know, just, just kind of have a lot more fun with the painting. And I've got paintings like that sitting around that I just kind of don't know what to do with them, you know, because if you showed them to people, they'd be like, oh, that's cool, but you made that, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to, I don't really want to be like the jack of all trades guy, you know, where, oh, I can paint abstract and I can do this and check this out. Oh, did I mention that I can also cut hair? You know, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to keep it. You can you know, boil peanuts, though. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, that's that's just sort of a side job, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, for me, making art is definitely a, a progression, you know, where where I get very bored if I'm doing the same looking thing you know I mean I, I hope that my, all my work has a kind of current running through it um, but as far as you know like I just recently did a series for my last show that was all interior scenes which was very different for me for me you know mostly I'm painting landscapes and a lot more organic things well I mean uh, real quick I before we get too far from what I was trying to uh, sort of point out was like what I, I mentioned that it's like I make the same painting every time, but it looks right. different and there's different uh, ideas behind everything and the concepts are different. But right, the right. processes that I go through mentally and physically to make the things are mm -hmm. often the same thing. And for yeah. me, it, when, I, when I'm making these things, it's not even about necessarily for me personally what the story tells on the image. It's, yeah. the, it's the process of going through all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think like for instance, similar. like materials. Do what? Like if you're getting you're getting ready to start a new new painting. What what is your like material process? Well, I, that's pretty much the that kind of stays the same for the most part. And I, I understand what you're saying. That is kind of what I do. I I always when people say you know what is your art like what kind of art do you make like somebody that doesn't even care much about art you know that's always the hardest time to say you know oh what's my art about because you you have no reference points you know yeah People it's about out. everything yeah you know and um so you i i've just kind of come up with saying that my art deals with the relationship between humans and nature and the fact that there is no relationship because we are nature you know so it's like how can you have a relationship with something that you are and um that seems to work pretty well on it i think you can apply that to most of my paintings you know and that is something i'm always thinking about with every painting as as it changes visually but um materially things do stay the same i i usually start off with a uh you know a drawing of some sort um lately i've even been making a lot of sketches in photoshop you know where i'll take you know from photographs and kind of collage make these almost digital collages just to see composition and you know the way things are gonna like get an idea of what they might look like you know mm -hmm. 
kind of planning things out a little bit more than I than I had in the past. Then I'll, you know, from that I'll do a drawing actually on the panel or whatever. From there, you know, I, I code it with a, a material that enables me to paint on the wood without without the paint absorbing into the wood. And then once I start painting, I actually do a lot of uh, subtracting the paint. So I'll apply paint and then with a rag kind of subtract it. And, um, you know, I've come up with some other techniques over time that just, you know, it's, it's almost like letting the paint be paint, which is what I think a lot of artists that are, that make, you know, really refined, realistic work always struggle with, you know, getting to, getting to let, let the paint drip and let the paint, you know, just do that weird stuff, especially oil, oil and turpentine. There's a lot of stuff that if you just throw turpentine on a blob of oil paint and let it sit for an hour, you could, you could trip out pretty hard on yeah. what happens. You know it's I mean? funny you say that too about the surrealist or uh, realist painters, that there's mm-hmm. something in it where they're, it, from me, from my perspective, and I even, tr- I even play with this, is that they're, uh, they're trying to make it look like it's not paint. And yeah. I, and I, I have a tendency to where I want you to know that it's still paint and will yeah. leave certain flat marks and certain yeah, things you, that it's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to trick you. This yeah, yeah, is yeah. what it is. And it, I don't need to trick you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I know there's some famous quote and I, I'm not going to try to even get it correct, but I know, uh, Andy Warhol said it, you know, they asked him something about, you know, the, the drips in his painting or something like that. And he's like, Oh, well, well, all the, all the, all the great artists drip. I mean, you got to drip, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you can't not drip. I mean, it's what you got to do. <laughs> nice. Well, I definitely utilize the, uh, the drip. I'm actually making this piece. <laughs> there was a uh, post on Facebook by, uh, an artist who I'll just leave nameless who said, uh, paint drips are the last refuge of a scoundrel. which is hilarious so i have um i build all my own wood panels and they're they're typically pretty wide cradles you know like four inches three inches on the side so the paintings wrap all the way around the edges and typically my bottom piece will have the background drips from when i'm doing like the abstract background color work will run down and the bottoms of each piece will have just a big block of just straight drips typically or something similar with some color or whatever Mm -hmm. so when i saw that quote i was like or i don't know if it was someone else's quote or if the artist made it up themselves but regardless it's hilarious so i was like oh i'm gonna make a bunch of um these pieces like like make these panels and do the drips running down the sides and then take all the the wood cradle pieces off and then stack them together. So it's just a big painting of just the yeah, drip yeah. pieces on, on uh, a bunch of different panels of wood. And nice. then I'm going to name it the, um, the last ditch effort of a scoundrel or something to that effect. <laughs> nice, cool. Yeah. You recently had some, uh, I, I guess it's an interesting topic to talk about when talking about art. Um, you had some, uh, issues with a Toyota ad recently that was, sort of derivative of some of your previous work um, yeah um a friend of mine texted me a photo from uh field and stream magazine i think you can probably still see it in the magazine um if you care to read field and stream i don't even know where you get one <laughs> uh, anyway um it was it was like a bear in scaffolding 
like scaffolding surrounded it, you know, and there's little men working on the bear. And it was for a, you know, restoring nature campaign or something like that. Can you still hear me? You're frozen in the video. I think. Oh, I got you. You're good. Can you hear me? No? No, we lost connection. Let's try again. You back? Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, a friend texted me, you know, this ad was about restoring nature and uh, it was just incredibly similar to, a, you know, a painting I've made and the whole series of paintings I've made. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I'm the last person hopefully to go out and, um, you know, I, I, I like appropriation and I like artists who um, play with that you know, idea of what, what you can steal and what you can borrow. And, you know, I mean, the, you know, the quote, great artists steal, you know, mediocre artists borrow or whatever. I mean, I, I subscribe to that, but, um, you know, it's just a little, a little weird when you don't really know, I don't know, like you, you feel like you've been kind of, um, associated with something you don't want to be associated with, you know, and I didn't really want to be, I just was afraid that if Toyota went further with this campaign, next thing you know, it's going to be on a billboard. And then all of a sudden when I'm making more because I, I really wanted to make more and more paintings of this series. Um, I can even take you over here and show you this one I'm working on right now. It's a big whale. Can you see it? Yeah, I can see it, but the radio won't be able to see it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just showing you. But so. yeah. Um, but anyway, so but like, if you, you describe know, it in detail, it'll be good for the radio people. Okay. Well, what, what it is, is a, a whale surrounded by scaffolding and, um, you know, there's sections of the whale missing because the whole concept of these things is that, uh, at a point in time when humans kind of reach this, this understanding that, oh, we can create our own animals, you know, and we can build nature ourselves. Like we don't even need it. It's like, you know, who needs trees? We'll just build more of them. So that happens. And then if you also notice in my, in my paintings, there's no humans around. That's because they also at the same point in time became extinct because they were incredibly asinine state of mind, you know, that it just, what is it, synchronized with their extinction in a way. And um, so what's left is these uh, kind of landmarks, you know, these sort of artifacts that were left behind like unfinished business yeah yeah totally so that's that's my perspective on it i really wanted to kind of go further with it you know i mean really get into the whole the structure of the scaffolding and you know show more and more detail what's happening but before i decided to take humans out i made a couple drawings with humans you know at first it was like oh and then there's little people working I decided that that's not what, you know, it was just, that was too much like Gulliver's Travels or something, you know, uh -huh. and, but one of those that I made was a bear and that had little people in it. Yeah. And there, the Toyota illustration was a bear and it had little people in it. And it, you know, I was just looking at it going, well, actually a friend came up with the, with the, she commented on the, on the post or whatever and said, um, you know, what really gives it away is the fact that they have these little people. Like, why would why would Toyota come up with the idea to make, you know, an 80-foot bear with teeny little people that it just seems a little too coincidental, you know? And 
Yeah. I mean, I, I agreed with her, and I, that's kind of why I posted it on Facebook was not to not to get attention or anything, but just to be like, hey, man, what what would you guys do? You know, that, yeah. am I crazy? And You know, like, I think a lot of times what ends up happening with those things, which is really sad, too, is that it's typically an art director telling some young artist who's just trying to survive and, and yeah, eat yeah. a lot of times, hey, make this thing like this. Like, But um, uh, that's, it's, it's, it's interesting you're talking about taking the humans out of the work because I think in some of the older work, I guess, probably around the time that we met, we've known each other for maybe five or six years now, maybe? Yeah, I think right when I, like, right when I moved to San Francisco, maybe like a year after, which has been five years. Um, yeah. at, at that time... I think there was some um, anthropomorphism to your work where it was like the animals took on sort of human characteristics and yeah, even yeah. sort of morphed into like animal-human hybrid sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There was like, I would say like maybe in the hands or there was something, they were mostly animal-looking, but there was something about some of the creatures that had some sort of like animal or human-type movements. That might be like an interesting route to go with some of those works that with like the scaffolding thing, like an idea where, where how we fucked everything up and then went extinct and then these, uh, these animals figure out ways to sort of fix themselves, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, that's definitely a point of my work that I'll, uh, you know, continue to touch on. I just, um, you know, basically moved away from that more from just seeing so many, I mean, how many human bodies with like a deer head you know i mean it's like yeah you like the, the 200th one of that you know yeah you're just like all right dude i you know i mean i feel like you know i was really into where the wild things were when i was a kid and you know i liked the fact that max was in the wolf suit you know and that that's what you know and i mean even native americans dressed in like deer skins and stuff yeah, and even if you think about like probably what a large influence for a lot of pe- artists our age is was like Sunday cartoons and like how yeah. we were raised in front of a television with these like children's shows, which were often uh, animals with human characteristics. Yeah, right? exactly. which is a, which is which is really strange. And then and then we see us like humanizing all sorts of other things. Yeah, you know, and it's well, that saying. It's almost goes along with that idea of how we disassociate ourselves from nature. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not gonna totally abandon that idea. You know, I just um, started to realize that it needed to be a little deeper than just like like a pretty girl face with like a you know fox arms or whatever. You know. It's yeah. Just, right. I mean, there's a very there's a huge formula for that in pop surrealism culture of art or whatever that basically just like take a cute animal mix it with a pretty face that's a human and there you go you've got an art career you know and i just i'm like man that's kind of not where what i want out of this you know i want to you know i want to push further and i want to actually be you know seen on seen on a different level than i'm just creating these pretty little paintings you know so that's kind of why i moved more into i don't know i just got tired of painting like humans that were part animal part people for no reason, you know. So, if there is a reason that they can be there, then I think I'll continue to bring that into the work. But at this point, I'm just kind of trying to develop like anything that's my own, you know. It seems like for a lot of figurative artists, that me even personally, that 
at a certain age and after working for a certain period of time in the figurative format that you want to start slipping into more abstractions? Well, I mean, definitely uh, I like to make abstract paintings sometimes, you know, just, uh, and I, I think a lot of the ones that I make, I really like them. I'm like, man, this would be kind of cool. I, but lately I've even been thinking it would be even better to like, if you wanted to do that, to kind of create, like, what if you, you know, curated a show and every, every artist in the show is actually you, you know, but it was like, you know, this guy, you know, is this person and, oh, he makes abstract paintings. They're very, <laughs> just, you know, organic and blah, blah. And, oh, and this guy, you know, he does this and this girl, you know, I mean, you could really have fun with, uh, alter identities the same way writers have pen names or whatever you know i mean i've had one artist alter ego well i've had a couple actually if you count like street stuff uh, yeah yeah i bet <laughs> but i've had another i've been another painter but i'll <laughs> leave that cool. name or, I, I think it's fun you know it's a it's a way to kind of separate like if you wanted to paint abstract paintings you could well, say dude, okay well this is this identity you know i talked about doing that before because my process is first an abstract one in well not necessarily because the setup isn't abstract but as i as i start to build color that whole process is abstract it's no thought it's like just make the color work like as soon as i know that it's right it'll be right like i'm not like trying to get something to to work mm -hmm. a certain mm -hmm. way but then after that i switch into the figurative mode where everything is in its proper place in the the way it's supposed to be and um, I'm, I'm kind of stepping out of that with some of the more loose figurative stuff, mm -hmm. but um, I've had moments where I'm just like, I just want to leave this background painting and just say I have a German name and go sell it for like 10 grand, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just to see what happens. And we yeah. really, that's what's so great about art, dude. There's no fucking rules, really. Yeah, and I, I think the key is to be at a point in time where people that really like your work for for you you could do something like that and you know you might lose a couple people but people who really understand you know you as an artist are probably going to be supportive you know as Which long is, as they know you're not trying to you know hop on the, the next just the next hot thing you know yeah right there has to be a, um, a sincerity to it and yeah i think if you can say like hey this is just you know me exploring something else and you know it's it's still part of your legacy in a way right. Which is an interesting topic that I've talked about um, with somebody who collects my work um, mm -hmm. about how he probably he he may not collect my work had he he had he not known me, you know, had uh -huh. he not known my personality and like the stories that I have to tell and like the things that that he knows about me personally. He, yeah, yeah. he may not have found the same things in the work. And it, it's interesting to to think about that when when as artists we're by ourselves most of the time and then we're at a gallery for a moment trying to sell the work for a few hours and then we're gone so like for me being in a city that's pretty spread out if i'm not in those environments where people are, are getting to know me which i mean let's face it if you're at an art gallery and you have 10 minutes to talk to somebody you're really not getting to know them that well anyway yeah, and yeah, yeah. there's moments where okay how do you how do you build these rapports with these people who are interested in knowing what your story is? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And at the same time, want to collect that story in these these images. It's 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 a double edged sword, you know. I mean, I think you 
have to pretend to, you know, care a lot of times you don't really care, you know, and, you know, it is part of uh, communicating. I mean, the whole Facebook thing has come up lately a lot. Like when pe whenever you get people that are like, I don't know about Facebook, it's, you know, it sucks. Like I'm, I don't do that stuff. It's like, well, I mean, I'm not, it's not like I'm, I'm not going to be like pro Facebook and wear t-shirts that say, dude, everyone should join Facebook. But you know, it is a, a valuable tool for connecting with people who can help you create a life for yourself, you know, and, and make a living, you know. And even further, you as artists, I think we're, that's all we're trying to do is communicate with large groups of people. And, and you said yourself, you used to do wheat pacing on the street, where for, I think for me, and I, I would assume for you that the the main point of that is to be like, Hey, I want everybody, as many people as I can, to see these things that I make because I think there's some there's value in it, and I want to share it with other people and see if they find a value in it. Yeah, you know? which is so, another tricky thing I think in the world we live in is, um, you know, you don't you also at the same time don't want to be like the guy like spamming everybody, you know, like check out my thing, like you know, hey, buy this new thing I made, you know. I mean, like that's that's something you also have to be conscious of. It's like how do you how do you, you know, share with your friends, share with your people who actually do want to see what you're making and then also keep from, you know, just feeling like you're, you're desperate for people to like check you out, you know, okay, yeah. which is, you know, something I try to really, you know, be mindful of. It's like, you know, I, I like to save, save the things that I'm doing, you know, the special things. And then that's when I'll kind of like, you know, let them out there a little bit more to the public, you know, and then there's that there's that Aesop rock line. It says, uh, you don't want to be looked over or you don't want to be overlooked, but you don't want to be looked over too much. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's yeah, that fine line. Real, real um, art, I think, to, you know, promoting yourself, but at the same time, you know, kind of kind of staying staying below the radar, you know, and but you know what? At the same time, dude, I think a lot of people who espouse those sorts of things are the same type of people who are actually afraid of putting themselves out there because yeah. there's there's something very um, nerve-wracking and, and, and scary about putting all this honesty out to a, a public that is, is very open with giving you back their very public opinions as well. Yeah, yeah. So you put yourself out there for critique not just not just um, a claim, but I, like I just recently got a, a negative comment, a sort of semi-negative comment on my uh, on my podcast iTunes store, uh, you know, the <laughs> iTunes store page. Got like a two out of five stars, and somebody kind of got a like they had a really witty comment, so it kind of stung a little extra. But you yeah. know, before that, I had five really nice things said, you know. Oh, but yeah, yeah. then you have well, that I mean, one thing, yes. and you're like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> you know, and it, and it, it's like that fine line. You still have to make sure that you hold on to those really positive things and and not dwell too much on the bad stuff. But as artists putting ourselves out there, we we open ourselves up for those things, and it's it's scary. And a lot of people aren't willing to deal with that. And I think it's those people who are like, oh, well, I'm not going to put this online because I'm too cool for school. But really, it's probably more of like. I'm afraid people are going to think I'm a phony or I'm afraid that people are going to like what I do and then I'm going to yeah, feel yeah. like depressed and like a loser. <laughs> well, I mean, criticism and I don't, I don't know, you know, I think some people take it differently, but whenever I've been 
you know, criticized or, um, you know, there was something that happened back in Charleston. It's like too long of a story or too meaningless of a story to even tell. But, you know, it was basically like some art school kids, like trying to kind of make fun of me because I was getting a lot of exposure in Charleston, you know, in a small little art community. They didn't like it. And, um, you know, so they tried to make this, uh, basically make a bunch of stickers, you know, trying to make fun of me. And, you know, even though it was like, I didn't really want to respond or play into it. And I kind of just was like, ah, you guys, whatever, like, you know, um, in a way it really was more inspiring to me than, you know, when somebody asks you, oh, who are the painters that inspired you? It's like, I don't know, like, you know, but you know, something like that happens and and it, it kind of pushes you in a direction like okay, well, check this out then, you know, like it makes you want to just, you know, burn them in a way that they've never been burned before. And totally. you're like, well, well, watch what I'm going to do with my life, you know. And, it's, I had that same mentality. I was like, okay, then I'll just work harder, you know. Yeah. And What's I've always mean? I've always learned, like I said at the beginning, I've always learned from my stupid. And yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. the type, and maybe it's, a, it's like the creative types who are like that, but like I quit smoking cigarettes just because my good buddy told me that he didn't think that I could. <laughs> which is yeah. great I'm, I'm so glad that i had that motivation because i may have never actually stopped that's funny yeah and you can it's the kind of thing that you can um it's not fleeting you know it's like always there it's like shit i don't want to let him be right you know and you, every time you go to smoke a cigarette you're like damn it you know it's like you've got something to kind of push you and further that's, you know? that's probably that brave mentality too to jump into living off your art and not kind of buying into the regular society roles where we're supposed to go get a job and get married and have 2.2 kids and pay taxes and, and buy a car and have the two yeah, car yeah. garage and the whole fucking shit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it takes that, that strong mind to, to be able to avoid those things and try to find some sort of seemingly more pure path or something that's like designed for you as opposed yeah. to some other fucking asshole (laughs) yeah i think you have to be very confident in yourself and at the same time very critical of yourself to um you know want to push further to the next step after that it's just um just making the work you know and spending time and you know those are like the only secrets i know of making it as an artist is just uh you know people are ask me sometimes you know how did you get into this gallery you know what's your secret like how did you you know what's your trick how'd that come about it's like i don't know man i fucking made a bunch of paintings dude somebody liked them you know like how do you think i did it you know i didn't like have sex with the guy's fucking ugly sister you know (laughs) (laughs) it's funny too it's like that's that thing like people are like oh, you're so blessed by God that you're able to make these things. But it's like, no, motherfucker, I had to put in hundreds of thousands of hours of work to be able to figure out how to make this thing. Yeah, it's like, do you really want to know how I did it? Because, I mean, I'm not sure you're up for the fucking challenge, man. It's, it ain't fun all the time. You know? And the reality, if for, you know, that's where we get our wealth, too, is in those moments, in the, those work hours. Like, that's really where all, for me, anyway, that's where all the rewards really exist. Yeah, and then, you know, you spend six months working on a bunch of paintings that, you know, I mean, I always try to keep my expectations, like, lower than low, but somehow I still remain to get disappointed, you know? It's like, (laughs) how did did that happen? Like, I had absolutely no expectations, 
but somehow I'm still bummed out, you know, and it's like you, you do all this work and then it's over in one night, you know, it's like you put it on the walls, everybody comes to see it and, you know, you could have a hundred people tell you, oh, great work, amazing, that was awesome. And I do really cherish that, you know, but if you don't, if you don't actually sell a painting or whatever, or man, I just worked for six months and like really, you know, have, have no, no like support, you know, <laughs> coming back from that, you know, I basically just did it to do it. And, you know, usually it takes about two days to kind of get over that kind of bummed out feeling. And then you're like, ah, you know, well, that's just the way it is. And at the same time, dude, that, that like that rush too of leading up to the show is such a high peak Mm-hmm. that the fall off on the other side feels so great. Um, I've talked about this with a lot of musicians that do shows every night where it's just like pure unadulterated adrenaline, heart pumping, like energy with the crowd. And when you leave, you got to go home and or get in the van and sleep and pack up your gear, be with a bunch of stinky dudes. And, yeah, and yeah. there is no more glamour. And same with like comedians who go to a room and just crush and make a whole room of people laugh their ass off for two hours and then they go home and sit or go to a hotel room and sit by themselves and eat ice cream or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's being able to control those lows or or know when they're coming and to not let them have that really dramatic effect. Yeah, I mean, it it slowly gets better, I think. You know, you do, you know, you have your little wins, you know, and, you know, it's like you start to be like, you know, you do sell one painting. It's like, okay, well, this, this painting you know, represents all the, you know, all these hours of work that you can't look at it and like, okay, I made this, this much money for this amount of hourly work. It's more like, you know, you make all these things and hopefully every now and then, you know, one helps pay your rent or pay some of the expenses you've incurred making the shit. You You know, what's funny though, like when you go back and look at it, if you like add the hours and like the money you actually get, like if you, (laughs) it's, I've found that it's actually pretty high, like the amount yeah, of money yeah. per hour, like when you're actually there doing the work, like when you're involved in the work, yeah, actually, yeah. it's not that bad a pay. It's just the pay is so few and far between, and it's yeah, learning yeah. to deal again with those ups and downs of, oh, I'm not going to have any income for the next three or four months. Let's see yeah. how this works out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you're hoping you're just building something, you know, and that, you know, not, not that you ever want to say it's about money but i mean in the end man it's like hey i just want to make a living at doing what i'm able to do on this planet you know and yeah what i'm able to do well you know it's the only thing i can do well you know i mean i can't i'm not a good plumber you know <laughs> so i'm not gonna go out and be a plumber you know I'm, this is what i'm able to do and i it'd be awesome to be able to just do it you know and make a living doing it and that's that's all i really want you know Hey, real quick, can you zip your zipper up to the top? Because it's rubbing, your mic is hitting the, the metal on there. <laughs> I um, you meant my zipper on my, my pants, man. <laughs> I hope you don't have the mic down there. Um, Horse is out stable. Well, cool. Um, let's um, let's promote some of your stuff. Typically, I uh, if you were in-house, I would I would give you a, a gift. Um, DSD <laughs> Clothing, uh, who's Adam uh, Honky Kong Hawthorne's clothing. Uh, sponsors the show so typically we give shirts but um because i know something about you i'm actually going to get you some flip-flops for your 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 guest appearance here on the show and i'll ship them up to you and i'll put a little live free podcast painting on the on the i'll wear them i'll just wear them and you know wear them you know when i'm not gonna you know i 
I, I mean, I actually have decent feet, I think, you know, but I don't know. There's, there's others out there who don't. <laughs> well, you know, it's really funny. The last time I was up in San Francisco, I, um, I've been running, um, getting uh -huh. my body in shape and stuff. And, nice. you know, I'm in San Diego, so I run in board shorts and like a tank top usually. And <laughs> I was in the tenderloin staying at Mike Giant's house. And uh -huh. I got up in the morning to go get to go do my run. And you know, I'd leave and go out the door in board shorts and, you know, like a tank top. And I'm like, I don't think anybody in San Francisco has ever worn board shorts, ever. <laughs> not ever. Not. And, like, people are looking at me like, who is this fucking crazy asshole running around like he's like, on a surfboard or something? And a tenderloin, man, you, I mean, I'm sure you fit right in because you never know what the hell you're going to see there. Oh, yeah. I just acted like I was crazier than everybody else is fucking yeah. chilling. So um, let's let's promote some of your stuff. Uh, you got the Twitters and the Facebooks. You want to shout those out? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I think it, actually, if you go to my blog, maybe there's a. I think I had like a link to my Facebook page, but maybe not. It's just I'm just Kevin Earl Taylor on Facebook. What's um, your What's your website address? Because your blog is linked up over there too, right? Yeah, yeah. Just just KevinEarlTaylor.com, um, and you know you can email me through that. Uh, you know, I, I try to keep the blog interesting, and and if you're really interested, you know, I mean, my music is uh, kind of connected through through all that stuff. You can you can go to like uh, I have a a video page um, that's linked somehow through my blog. I think let's see, yeah, yeah. If you go to my um, blog, you'll see like a a listen and watch link, which is kind of more like some of the video work I do and then the listen takes you to some um some music stuff I do which is really really kind of more recreational for me you know but that's that's what you'll see on the blog and uh definitely email me you know if, if you have any questions on my web page the front page it just says uh I think email at the bottom nice. and um, I'll get I'll get all those links and stuff up on my blog too so everybody would check it out from there okay yeah um and let's see what else you got uh any shows you're working on uh i have a show in berlin and this friend of mine uh danielle de picchiato she's a german artist i kind of befriended her a couple years ago and uh she and i have you know kept in touch she's actually married to one of the founders of einstein de neubauten you know the famous german industrial band <laughs> no, I, I don't know yeah well they're She's married to him, so he's really cool too. And um, she's curating a show over there in Berlin, and uh, wants me to be in it in April. So that's my next uh, my next major like show that I'm working on. Nice. Have you ever been out there? Yeah, yeah. In 2008, I actually curated a show over there and uh, went went like for two weeks over there. It was awesome. So I'm I'm thinking about going. I'm I'm just not not sure if I'm gonna actually have the the time right then. It's in April, so. Um, and I may be going back to Berlin. I started working with this gallery, Circle Culture, uh -huh. and and they want to do more of like a like a solo show kind of thing. So I may just wait, wait and see when that's going to happen. But yeah, it's been awesome to be connected to Berlin because I, I love that city. And I mean, I, I could even see going over there and living for a year or something and just oh, making nice. some work and, you know, kind of hanging out in a different environment for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, all right, brother. Thank you. Uh, you got you got anything else you want to get out there for the public? Uh, yeah, this is kind of exciting. I um I've never really felt like there was a gallery in my hometown, Charleston, South Carolina, to uh 
that I felt good, good enough about associating myself with, you know, on like a representational where they have my name on the site, you know, as, as an artist and kind of thing. Um, but I, I just, um, signed on with a gallery called Rebecca Jacob gallery and it's in my hometown, which is, is awesome to have a gallery there. And she's, she's been doing really well, man. She's sold like five paintings since December of mine. And she's like, got me, she's like, do you have any more of this one particular type of painting? And so I'm making some more for her right now. And, um, I'm going to do a solo show in October there. So that's kind of exciting just to, you know, finally have a gallery in my hometown, which is a great art city. Um, I mean, I, I've had collectors there, like basically from the get go and I still sell a good bit of work to people in Charleston. Um, so it's nice to just, you know, have a, have that kind of a connection now with, with that city and, um, you know, to have a, an official solo show with a, with an actual gallery there. Um, yeah. And you're kind of helping out with that thing, right? That you wanted to have something really like stand yeah, out yeah. and do something in your hometown. Yeah. Even though yeah, you're on the, the other side of the country. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. I mean, that, that town is, it's a cool, cool city, man. And I, I don't want to just leave it behind, you know, but, um, I just had to go and challenge myself and, you know, push further and, you know, see what else was, was out there for me. And, it's been great. I've met, I've met so many amazing friends. I mean, all my buddies that are artists here and, and San Francisco really inspire me and they just give me a lot of support, you know, to, to continue like making what I make, you know? All right. I think that's a good spot. Uh, thank you very much for doing the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. No problem. Let's do a little <laughs> internet dap. There we go. All right, brother. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Yeah, man. Send me those flip flops. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to dude. It's on. Email me your address. All right, later. The show is sponsored by The Pearl Hotel, thepearlsd.com, and DSD Clothing, dsdshop.com. I'm not sure if there's a point to the story, but I'm going to tell it again. Other people try to tell the tale, not one of them knows the end. It was a junk house in South Carolina, held a boy the age of ten. Along with his older brother Billy and their mother and her boyfriend. Was a triple loser with some blue tattoos that were given to him when he was young. 